Cerebral is an online mental health service that offers prescription medication, counseling, and therapy for anxiety, depression, ADHD, insomnia, and more. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides prescription medication online through a licensed provider and ships medication straight to your door. You can schedule sessions based on what's most convenient for you, and you don't have to wait weeks to be seen. And BuzzFeed Daily listeners can receive 65% off your first month of medication management and care counseling at Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed. Go to Cerebral.com slash BuzzFeed for 65% off your first month. Join Cerebral today on their mission to make quality mental health care accessible and affordable for all. I'm Colleen Witt. Join me, the host of Eating While Broke podcast, while I eat a meal created by self-made entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities over a meal they once ate when they were broke. Today, I have the lovely AJ Crimson, the official princess of Compton, Asia. Kidding, and Asia. This is The Professor. We're here on Eating While Broke, and today I'm going to break down my meal that got me through a time when I was broke. Listen to Eating While Broke on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Paris Hilton, and this is Trapped in Treatment, a weekly podcast of shocking survivor experiences and stories from an industry plagued by controversy. With my hosts, Caroline Cole and Rebecca Mellinger, we will uncover the truth of one teen treatment facility each season. First up, Provo Canyon School. This one is personal. Listen to Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Netflix suspended a trans employee who spoke out about Dave Chappelle's stand-up special. Former Dancing with the Stars host Tom Bergeron opened up about why he thinks he was fired from the show. And we're talking to El Amin Abdul-Mahmoud about season two of Ted Lasso and why it's still a great series. It's October 12th, 2021. Hey friends, I'm Casey Rackham. And I'm Stephen Leconti. Welcome to BuzzFeed Daily. Stephen, here on a Tuesday? Surprise! (laughs) Well, Shyla is off taking PTO. Much deserved PTO. She never takes vacation. We're so proud of her. She never takes a vacation day. It is long (laughs) overdue. I told her if I saw her on Slack, I would publicly yell at her on Slack (laughs) to get off. (laughs) And listen, I'm sad Shyla's gone for the week, but personally, I'm happy because it means I get to fill in for the rest of the Ah, week. I'm excited too. All right, so to kick things off, A trans Netflix employee posted a long Twitter thread denouncing Dave Chappelle's new stand-up special and was suspended by the company not long after. According to The Verge, she and two other employees were suspended because they attempted to attend a director-level meeting they weren't invited to. In a statement, Netflix said, quote, It is absolutely untrue to say that we have suspended any employee for tweeting about this show. Our employees are encouraged to disagree openly and we support their right to do so. Netflix CEO also sent an internal email saying the special wouldn't be removed and that, quote, we don't allow titles on Netflix that are designed to incite hate or violence, and we don't believe the closer crosses that line. I recognize, however, that distinguishing between commentary and harm is hard, especially with stand-up comedy, which exists to push boundaries. Oh, I mean, Steven. You know, Casey, I'm sure we both have a lot of thoughts about this. I mean, let's start here. You and I live in Los Angeles. We know many people who work for Netflix or have worked for Netflix who are queer. Um, and I feel like this whole thing is just such a slap in the face to those employees. You know, Netflix puts out a good amount of like uh, 
pro-LGBTQ content. They do a lot during Pride Month and stuff, but all of that feels kind of like surface level and fake yeah. when, when you're not willing to stand up against blatant uh, anti-trans language. Yeah, all this, the fact that this special wasn't stopped from the very beginning and was decided, like they decided to air it, like that's wild to me. And it does make it seem like all the other stuff they do for the community isn't real or genuine in any way. But I mean, what really, really, really bothers me is that the Netflix CEO has decided he's the person who knows what comedy is and isn't. Like that line saying, like, I know it's hard to tell the difference, but you're wrong. And comedy, you just push boundaries. And I'm like, this isn't pushing boundaries. Right. You know, and also they they clarified, uh, quote unquote, that like the trans employee wasn't, you know, uh, penalized for tweeting, but for trying to attend a, quote, director level meeting. And I suppose they think that makes it better. But what I want to know is why don't the directors at Netflix care to hear from trans employees about this? It seems to me like if they were asking to attend that meeting, that's a signal that you have some listening to do. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right. Well, in other news, Tom Bergeron recently revealed what he believes to be the reason he was fired from Dancing with the Stars after 14 years of hosting, Sean Spicer's casting in 2019. On a recent episode of Bob Saget's podcast, Tom said, Whether it was somebody I voted for or didn't, I didn't think a political person um, was an appropriate booking for the show, but and also, I'm, on, I'm on the same page as yeah, you on that. I think a lot of people the, were. Yeah, for the for the time we were going to be on, which was really on the cusp of uh, the the presidential election campaign. So uh, we we differed on that. I was public about that. Uh, I don't think that uh, sat well with right. the uh, producer or the network. Yeah, I mean, I believe him. I mean, both these stories we're talking about are people speaking out about things they don't think are right and then being let go. Whether they're connected or not, we don't know. But both of these people are like, well, I have a feeling. <laughs> and, you know, but I remember when this Sean Spicer, when he got announced for this, and it was the same, it was that same effect as Jimmy Fallon petting Trump's hair on The Tonight Show. It was very just much like, these political people, oh, they're humans just like us, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, don't give them that platform. I think it's so cool that Tom said that. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for him. I mean, the people that were in Trump's orbit were doing significant material harm. And I just think um, it's completely irresponsible and indefensible to make celebrities out of these people, you know? And, and uh, uh, you know, take the Trump thing out of it. By the way, I also don't want to see any politicians or people who are working in politics, like, become celebrities like this. I don't want to see Pete Buttigieg on Dance with the Stars either, you know? Because I think across the board, turning people who are meant to be public servants into, like, stars with book deals and television deals and stuff, um, it's how we get ourselves into trouble. All right. So moving on, if you're like me, you've already watched the season finale of Ted Lasso that dropped over the weekend. And, you know, the show started out as a beloved media darling after season one, but has gotten some mixed reviews for its second season. And as we all know on this podcast, even a little bit of hate. Joining us today to break it all down is BuzzFeed News' Elamine abdul Mahmood. He just wrote a piece about the finale titled Ted Lasso is Still Good. Hi, Elamine. Thanks for joining us today. What's up? What's up? What's up? How's it going? Good. We've got Steven for four days this week. We're excited. That's <laughs> right. I'm filling in for Shyla for the next two days. 
What's up, Steven? Or should I say, hey, Steven? As That's I right. Say. Uh-huh. I was waiting for you to sing the song, Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day. Tradition. Okay. We'll continue. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, we are here to talk about Ted Lasso because season two just wrapped up. You wrote about it. We all have some thoughts. And, you know, first of all, first off, I just want to say how much I love the title of your piece because you just put your take, like, right in there. It's just straight up Ted Lasso is still good. Yeah, I listen, I don't want you to be under any kind of false pretenses of what you're going to get. I don't want this to be like, oh, what's he going to say about the show? Is it going to be complicated? <laughs> I'm like, no, Ted Lasso is still good. I don't want to hear it. I don't, like, And like, if you're on board, come on board. If you're not, let's fight about it. But I don't want you to dig through seven paragraphs for me to be like, oh, this is like a decent defensible show. No, it's good. It's still good. I'm here for it. See, that's right. We don't want it to be like bad art friend where we're like, who's who's the bad art friend? We don't want to be like, <laughs> yeah. is Ted Lasso good? We're like, no, we're, yeah. we're saying it right now. But yeah, yeah. it's oh. like, there's not none of those. Is he a Don? Is he a Sonia? I'm both. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So I do want to know, like, before we start talking about the finale, I want to know, what do you think now about that initial backlash? that the second season got in the beginning where it was like Ted Lasso is too positive and that makes it negative and stuff like that. I mean, what was that about? Do you think it died down? How are you feeling about that? I mean, I think it's silly. It's sort of like the initial criticism of the show continuously did not hold up. I think like there's something also about the fact that a, the show has episodic release and B Apple made the first seven episodes of the, of the second season available for critics to review that does not tell the full arc, nor does it actually actually like serve the story well in terms of cutting it off right at that point in the arc. Because as a contained unit this season was a pretty logical evolution from the beginning of Ted sort of questioning his own approach to life, his toxic positivity. Is it working? Um, as people around him kind of continuously have different collapses of their own and he's not really able to help them. You needed to see more of the story. And I think seeing just the first couple of episodes, including the Christmas episode, which I know we'll talk about, sets you on a different trajectory, I think, than what the actual season trajectory was. Like, I think by the end of the season, you get a completed, satisfying arc, one character's evolution to maybe become the next villain of sorts, but also everybody's in a different place. Everybody's kind of questioned their own moral compass. And it's like way logical, but you had to wait till the end to get that satisfaction. It is. And I like knew that was going to happen. I think that's what bothers me too. I'm like, I'm sorry. I knew from the second episode since a therapist showed up that we were going to deal with Ted eventually going into therapy and dealing with his trauma. I'm like, let's get this. Give the show a chance. That's clearly where they're give going. Give it a minute. Give, I mean, like, again, that's when you only make a certain number of episodes available. Right, exactly. It's like, that's the only thing that critics can review. And I get it. But also, I think it was sort of like trying to hang too much on what was available for people because by the end of everything else, by the end of having watched everything, I think you come away with a different reaction. That's all I'm going to say, you know? So, you know, I want I want to do this. I need to talk about it and I will send it to my group chat after. I'm in a group chat with some friends and I have this one friend who tears apart Ted Lasso every week. Like, I think this show infuriates her and that infuriates me. It makes me really, really upset with like how angry she is at the show. And it actually is specifically when you're saying that Christmas episode, she hates that Christmas episode. She's literally, she's like, she's like, if I was a professor and taught a class about TV and film, I would show this episode as what not to do in TV. And that upsets me so much because I'm like, I'm sorry, TV is not one thing. It's not for everyone. And that was a beautiful episode. And Elamine, do you want to know what my dad said after watching that episode? 
What did he say? I watched it with him as a. I watched a tear roll down his cheek. He said, <laughs> he, said he said, Ted Lasso does it again. <laughs> That's what he said, Elamine. That's the whole review right there. Ted Lasso does it again. And I guess what I'm just trying to say from this, she she basically is like, she had said, like, it doesn't deserve a third season. And I'm like, if Emily in Paris can have another season, Ted Lasso can have whatever the fuck it wants. I'm sorry, what? I mean, but, like, here's the thing. is like, that Christmas episode is divisive. And the reason it's divisive is that it's it's very saccharine, right? It's very overly sweet. And the problem is not even that sweetness, because, like, there was so much sweetness in the first season that, like, I really love this Christmas episode contained at his, in its own vacuum. But it comes as the fourth episode in the season when they're building up this narrative arc of this one person who's supposed to become a sort of villain. And it completely stops the flow of the show. Like, it actually, like, takes the momentum out of the show to the point where it's actually kind of boggling. And it ends up making sense way later when we learn that Ted Lasso's writer's room went inside and wrote 10 episodes. They did not write 12 episodes. And then Apple was like, this show's a hit. Can you guys write two more episodes? And they look at each other and go, uh, I guess. And they have to come up with two new episodes that are kind of self-contained. And one of them becomes the Beard After Hours episode. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Happy to talk about. But the other episode is the Christmas episode, which is like, this is an episode in which no particular season arc is affected or even included in the show. And it's like, if you're a viewer or a critic, even you'd be like, what am I watching? You just set up a whole bunch of stuff and then you're just pretending it doesn't exist. And then you kind of go back to it. That makes no sense. And they're right. They're not actually wrong about that. In the arc, it's very illogical, but as its own sort of self-contained little sweetness movie that exists for like an hour, it's really nice. So I, I'm, I'm of two minds about it. One thing, one thing that I am going to say about that real quick is that, do you know why I think that didn't bother me? Well, one, I love Christmas, but two, <laughs> two, yes. I, okay. So my dad's from England. I grew up watching tons of British shows. Christmas is a big deal in the UK and it represents that in TV. Having Christmas specials is a norm. So I think that yes. didn't affect me at all where I was like, yeah, it's just a sweet Christmas episode. This is the Christmas episode. Like it was very much like I was like, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> we got a Christmas episode in August and he wasn't yeah. even at the end of the season. Like, because if you had to do it at the end of the season, a couple of characters would not have been there. And you'd be like, uh, this is weird for me. How do we do this? But they put it in the fourth position we just it didn't make sense there however you're right like christmas specials make a lot of sense they're just kind of usually a continuation of the arc that they set up before or they stand alone outside the season this was just kind of like just plopped into there for no reason it made no sense all right now we're gonna get into some spoilers about the finale here so if you haven't seen the finale yet um please hit pause watch it and then come back um (laughs) you cannot believe how ted lasso became an alien (laughs) (laughs) crazy stuff but something a lot of people did take issue with in the finale was the treatment of nate and his character arc he basically turned heel what is your opinion on the decision to take the character in that direction did it live up to your expectations uh, more than live up to my expectations. It was so well-delivered. Nick Muhammad's acting was so incredible throughout the season that if you kind of go back and watch, like he kind of is in his own show and it makes perfect sense for it to resolve in that way. 
And you see it in these really tiny little indignities, right? Like, and the indignities kind of mount up throughout the season. There's an episode early on where he's just trying to get a seat at a, ta- at a you know, a seat at a certain restaurant with his dad because he makes his dad proud. And he's having a really hard time and has to be coached through that whole process. And then you see the way that his dad treats him and really eats at him. You know, you see that evolved further when everyone on the team gets like these little Nespresso machines or whatever. And he is like not given one of those. And then you see, you know, the the ways that right up to the point where he gives Keely that kiss and can Roy Kent even muster up the um, ounce of rage to be mad at him? No, because he doesn't take him seriously. You see moments like Ted Lasso being like, I need a big dog to talk to this person about this specific situation. And Nate's like, I'll do it. And Ted just laughs in his face. All the indignities were there, right? From the moment that Roy Kent came back to the show as a member of the coaching staff, you see the way that it tears at Nate. You know, you see the way that he's like threatened by this and all of his nightmares are confirmed true one by one by one to the point where it's not so much a heel turn as much as like a confirmation of everything he's already believed about himself taken to its logical extent. It's like, Nate, you need therapy, but also I get it. You know what I mean? Like this, this is a completely logical evolution for your character. I think that is something that bothered me though, because by that final episode, I was seething. I was so mad at Nate. I really was. There were some elements where I could see what was happening, but he, I think, so this is what bothered me. This whole season was about therapy and healing yourself. And not once did I see Nate go speak with that therapist. And where everyone else did, Ted did, the players did. And I think that bothered me so much because it's one of those things where it's like, just because you are treated a certain way doesn't mean that you get to treat other people that way. But I get it. I get it. This is TV. I can't yell at this real character because he's not real. But I'm like, I'm like, I'm I'm like so upset right now because I, I'm just like, I'm like, God damn it, Nate. <laughs> First of all, Casey, is everyone in your life who needs therapy going to get it? Because that's wild. Congratulations on having the best <laughs> group of people in your life. I mean, that was also one of the contrasts, right? Is that like eventually almost everyone on the team has some kind of interaction with the therapist. And that is also telling, right? Like that even Ted, who's so reluctant to do it, eventually ends up having a significant breakthrough in therapy, but not Nate, because Nate is not there yet. He's sort of at a place where he's blaming himself. His self-narrative is that of like, he sees himself as a really disgusting person. There's that really heartbreaking moment, also really powerful moment where he spits at the mirror um, spits on himself and like it's it's well earned whether you whether you hate him for it or not i think part of the point is you are supposed to hate him for it because you're like nate therapy was free it was covered by your team my dude you could just get a bunch of <laughs> sessions no one else has free therapy you should definitely take advantage of this but it also doesn't work that way in real life right in terms of like the people we know in our lives who need therapy the most are also not the people who are ready for it Okay, so uh, obviously the show is going to get a season three, a season three that Casey emphatically defends should exist. Um, (laughs) How well do you think the finale has set us up for that season three? Did you get chills when, and again, I'm going to say spoiler alert, Nate is revealed as West Ham United's new coach, aka the coach of Ted's rival team? (sighs) Listen, that moment was both heartbreaking and also like, oh, here we go. Like he was just like, Like you just kind of get amped up in that very moment when Nate turns and looks to camera and it's fade to black and it's perfect. It's just like a perfect little moment. But there's something else I think that we are not paying enough attention to, which is that the whole of second season, one of the criticisms of it was that 
there wasn't really a big bad, a serious sort of arch villain for each of the characters to contrast themselves against. We didn't really have that because the villain of season two was like, I don't know, go get some help, man. Talk to a doctor, talk to a therapist somewhere. And they all eventually get there. Ted, essentially, you know, most essentially he gets there because the second season villain is like not knowing yourself enough. Third season, we're going to go back to having a very specific villain, which I think like it really served the show in season one, right? Like Rebecca was one of the villains. Jamie Tart was one of the other villains. And it kind of gave the show kind of two fun gravitational pulls to go towards like, oh, this character agitates all these people. This character agitates all these people. What happens when you put them in a room together? I think the second season was a feat in TV writing to, to write 12 episodes without having a singular villainous person. And it, the show actually constantly played with that. Every time that someone was supposed to be the big villain, you kind of softened them in the very next scene. Like he sort of was very aware of all his tropes. But now we're going to go back to this third season and Nate's going to be one of the villains. Presumably Rupert's going to be one of the villains. And that's really exciting because I think it's what made the first season so watchable, except presumably you're going to have to go to some dark places because these are not like, oh, this is cute kind of villains. It's like, no, these are villain villains. Like they harbor hatred. They harbor awful feelings. One of them ripped the believe sign. And like, I can't cope with that still. Like all of, they've done some stuff and we have a reason to hate them. And like now they're going to have to earn that hate somehow. All right. Well, we'll be right back to talk more about Ted Lasso. Chief it. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com slash 2022. The NFL playoffs are here, and the Super Bowl is right around the corner. You can follow the action like a fan, or you can prep like a scout if you listen to the award-winning Move the Six podcast. The show is hosted by me, Daniel Jeremiah, and my partner, Bucky Brooks. The two of us bring knowledge from careers as NFL talent scouts to the podcast world so fans can watch and understand the nuances of the game like never before. After the Super Bowl, it's draft season. If you want to go in-depth on this year's prospects and learn what makes the top players stand out, there's no better podcast than Move the Sticks. We'll break down film from the professional and college games so you can know which player to look out for when the football season returns next fall. You'll learn a ton about the NFL, and I promise we'll make it fun along the way. We'll have several new episodes dropping each week, and you don't want to miss a single one. Subscribe now and listen to the Move the Sticks podcast on the iHeartRadio app on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Robert Lamb. And I'm Joe McCormick, and we're the hosts of the science podcast, Stuff to Blow Your Mind, where every week we get to explore some of the weirdest questions in the universe. Like, if sci-fi teleportation was possible, how would it square with the multitudes of organisms that inhabit our human bodies? Can we find evidence of emotions in animals like bees, ants, and crayfish? How would an interplanetary civilization function? Does free will exist? Stuff to Blow Your Mind examines neurological quantum 
quandaries, cosmic mysteries, evolutionary marvels, and the wonders of techno history. Basically, this show is the altar where we worship the weirdness of reality. If anybody ever told you you ask the weirdest questions, it is time to come join us in the place where you belong, the Stuff to Blow Your Mind podcast. New episodes publish every Tuesday and Thursday with bonus episodes on Saturdays. Listen to Stuff to Blow Your Mind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. We're talking with Elamine Abdul Mahmood about the season finale of Ted Lasso. You know, so we've already touched on this, but something I just truly deeply appreciated was the show's willingness to embrace a discussion about mental health and sports. You know, it's something that seems so topical, especially now when athletes like Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka are so openly discussing it. I mean, how successful do you think Ted Lasso was at handling the subject matter? I think just the very introduction of in the very first episode, oh, the team needs a therapist. Here's their therapist. Kind of, I think, sets you up in a different context of, you know, maybe I'm not really thinking about the way that athletes need mental health support or the way that might impact their performance. And then from there on, you're kind of thinking about all these characters through that framework. When some of them are not performing very well, it is like it goes back to their relationship to their own self-image and their mental health. Um, I think... In insofar as it had the job of introducing to people the idea that these players have dimensions of, you know, mental health struggles that they should also try to deal with, it was very successful on that front. But really, Dr. Sharon was there as a foil for Ted Lasso, for his sort of unwillingness to break open into his own personal traumas. And by the time they get there, it is so heartbreaking. It is so, so heartbreaking. And in that way, it feels really earned because... Who among us, you know, doesn't have that thing in their history or in their memory where they go, I think I've dealt with that. I think I'm kind of past it. And then along comes a therapist who says, hmm, are you sure about that? And you go, no, I'm really not. I really, I really need to spend many, many hours talking about this. I just thought I could put it in the dealt with bucket, but I haven't. And, and that's where Lasso's character goes. You know, I also think that there is so much, like you were saying, like, I think there's so much nuance to it. It wasn't just as big as like in the final episode, Ted Lasso talking to the reporters and saying, we should be discussing mental health in sports. That's the big one. That's like right on the nose, right? To yeah. wrap up the season. But even earlier in that episode, there's so much nuance to it when the team at halftime isn't doing well and the coaches are discussing what plays should we do. And then Roy Kent, who's a coach and a former player goes, we should ask them. They're the ones doing it. And it kind of is like giving them agency and kind of showing like these athletes like they don't have that full agency and it was growth there so I think that's just like a little nugget I'm even realizing right now and I'm like it's so layered and everyone who says it's not is stupid <laughs> add me to your group chat I'm ready to fight I'm ready to fight about Ted Lasso all day every day <laughs> all right Elamine this is my final question for you now that this season has wrapped there is a giant Ted Lasso shaped hole in many of our hearts I would love to know uh, what you would suggest we watch next. Are there any other shows that make you feel like Ted Lasso does that like look at the world with such unbridled optimism and positivity? Oh, Steven, no, no, that's... Dude, I was gonna make a really bad joke. Do you want to hear it? Go off, go uh, off. Squid Game. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the bright rainbow-filled world of Squid Game. You know, it's about children's games. Everybody can get behind that show, right? No, I mean, like, honestly, Steven, I was ready to recommend a show until you were like, um, and he's got to make you feel good. I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay, because... okay, recommend an antidote to Ted Lasso, then. <laughs> 
like the very opposite of Ted Lasso, a world where everyone is trying to backstab everybody, but like not really backstab, just kind of front stab because like they just openly say, this is how I'm trying to fuck you over. Succession is back, baby. Succession is back this coming weekend. And y'all, it is so good. I've had a chance to watch the first couple of episodes. I cannot tell you how perfect the show is frame for frame character for character line for line it is the best show on tv succession it's been a two-year wait for this new season and like we're finally back in the world of the roys it is more gross and more intense and just like ugh. Just every every episode of Succession so far has been perfect. Okay, so Ted Lasso and then Succession. It's like a yin and yang kind of thing. <laughs> Gotta have the light in the darkness, baby. That's how we do it. <laughs> All right, Elamine, thank you so much for joining us. And next time you're here, you need to sing Hey Steven for me, okay? <laughs> All right. All right. I'm on it. I'm on it. All right. That's it for today. Come back and join us tomorrow. And remember, Ted Lasso is still a good show. Be sure to subscribe to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to come back for more of what you love about BuzzFeed coming to you daily. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, what's up? This is Robin Dixon, co-host of Reasonably Shady, which has just been nominated for an NAACP Image Award in the Outstanding Arts and Entertainment Podcast category. This is so big for Giselle and I. And of course, we must thank all of our fantastic listeners. But we need your help. Visit vote.naacpimageawards.net to vote for Reasonably Shady. That's vote.naacpimageawards.net. But don't wait. Voting closes on February 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And make sure to listen to Reasonably Shady every single Monday on the Black Effect Podcast Network. I'm Colleen Witt. Join me, the host of Eating While Broke Podcast, while I eat a meal created by self-made entrepreneurs, influencers, and celebrities over a meal they once ate when they were broke. Today, I have the lovely AJ Crimson, the official princess of Compton, Asia, Kidding, and Asia. This is the professor. We're here on Eating While Broke, and today I'm going to break down my meal that got me through a time when I was broke. Listen to Eating While Broke on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 